This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Morning, coming up to two minutes past nine, and you are tuned to 102.73 Triple R. It's time for this week's edition of Radio Marinara. We are the program about all things wet and salty. My name is Bron Burton. I'm Rex Hunter. How are you, Rex? Good, Bron. Good to see you. Yeah. Long time no see. Yeah, indeed. All this is your first show back for 2019. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I swam in. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I'll get you a towel. Um, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> hey, huge show before we go through uh, our lineup for today. Thanks so much to Tim, as always, for wonderful vital bits. And thank you to uh, Andrew for soulful bits and to Peter and Caitlin, who were Tim's guests for today. You can catch Tim back next Saturday morning at 6am. Yes, on his royal throne. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Sir Timothy. Hey, uh, we've got a massive show, so we're going to launch straight into it shortly. Um, we are going to be catching up um, briefly on the activities of the Maritime Archaeology As- Association of Victoria. Good one, Bron. Yes, you got that one. <laughs> How many years? Ma- Mav. <laughs> Mav. <laughs> For short. So you've been um, busy doing stuff over the summer. Yeah, we've been uh, sort of getting um, all the uh, getting our backlog, getting on the backlog of uh, projects and um, marks like over past 20 years or more I've fishermen give me positions and uh, I've never got back to so uh, I thought over summer I'll I'll get out there or we'll get out there and just start looking ticking off some some off the list excellent so we'll find out about what that list is (laughs) Uh, we are going to have in studio Dr Maddie McAllister from Heritage Victoria's Maritime Heritage Unit and Maddie was in last year talking to us about some work that she's been doing but there's been a big excavation exercise going on in Inverloch for the wreck of the Amazon so we're going to catch up with Maddie about that in conjunction with Flinders University so it's a sort of combined field work 
Great. We better give them proper credit then. Yes. <laughs> uh, Neil Blake's going to join us. He's going to be talking to us about uh, all kinds of different things. Nurdle hunt that went on around Port Phillip Bay last weekend. Uh, some trends from the latest microplastics trawls in both the Yarra and the Maribyrnong rivers. So really interesting yes. and unexpected findings there. Uh, an update on the Street to Bay project, which is the great citizen science um, engagement exercise that Neil is doing with scout groups, amongst others, around the bay. Very good. Which is great, Port Phillip Bay. And uh, Neil's perspective on the recent Port Phillip Bay forum too. So he's been very busy over the last few weeks. Is that the special, special um, thingamajig the other week? We'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, but we'll get there. Um, marine educator Matt MacArthur is going to join us to talk about Antarctic marine life. We caught up with Dave Donnelly down live on location in Antarctica a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and so Matt's going to talk to us about his experiences down in Antarctica. We kind of need a whole week for that, but we're, we're going to um, <laughs> do what we can in about 10 minutes. And details on a talk that he's giving tomorrow night at Nerd Night. We'll find out all about what Nerd Night is as well, called Dive with the Kiwis among the penguins. So really interested to talk to Matt about all of that. Um, we are going to catch up with either Terry or Dr Surf. <laughs> Dr Surf wants to talk to us about how great the surf has been. I'm hoping to catch up with Terry for a dive report as well. And um, yes, radiotherapy, we're going to be stealing your hour because there's no way we can cram all of that into one hour. So, so. two hours work into one hour. Indeed. <laughs> great. So that's our show today. Very quick weather report and then we'll catch up with you, Rex, on, right. on the maritime news. 27 is going to be our top today, partly cloudy, patchy fog about the outer eastern suburbs in the early morning. I didn't see any evidence of that, did you? Uh, yesterday, maybe. Maybe yesterday or maybe at 6am or something. Light winds becoming southwesterly, 15 to 20 kilometres an hour in the early afternoon, then tending southwesterly to southwesterly in the evening, but a gorgeous top of 27. Tomorrow, possible shower and 24. Tuesday, cloudy and 20. Wednesday, 23, partly cloudy. Thursday, cloudy and 19. And Friday, heading for a top of around 21. So today is definitely the peak of the week as far as weather goes, which is convenient because it's a Sunday. Uh, tide times, if you're heading out on the water down at the heads, we are heading for, we've just had right this very uh, second or five minutes ago, um, a high tide at Point Lonsdale, bang on nine o'clock and heading for a low tide at 2.57. This afternoon, slack water, therefore being somewhere around so, midday. Yes, very nice. There you go. All right. And the water's pretty clear too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it is? Have yeah. you been out? Yeah, we're out yesterday. It was beautiful. Off Beacon Point in the bay, looking for a shipwreck. So. Other news. All right, let's let's do a quick um, three or four minute snapshot of what's been going on with the Maritime Archaeology yes. Association <laughs> of Victoria. That's us. Um, well, that's it. we've been catching up on some old marks and things like that. Um, so there's a, off Williamstown. There's an area called the Torpedo Ground, which is in between Breakwater Pier, the old Jelly Brown Pile Light, and the Time Ball Tower. So we did a survey through there, the side scan. Oh, 2010 and found um, a ballast barge and a few other things. So we've been back there just doing some more side scan work, finding like old communication cables between Breakwater Pier and Jelly Brown Light was put there in secret during World War II just to uh, keep an eye on things and um, bits and pieces. And there was a, in 1937, uh, when they laid a cable, laid a cable, laid a telephone cable from... Um, Breakwater Pier to uh, Jelly Ram Pile Light, they actually came across an old wreck, which they subsequently removed, unfortunately. Mm. So there's all sorts of stuff out there, and um, it's just uh, 
more more things to go and v- revisit. How did all this stuff get out there? Was it just that it was no longer required and dumped overboard? Well, a lot of it's bluestone ballast, and so they've just filled the whole area. It's called a torpedo ground because in the old days, a torpedo was actually what called these days a, a mine, mm. you know, a floating mine. So they would um, do practice in there. So the, just all sorts of archaeology and cables and, you know, all big, big spools of wire and... It's just people have stuff and just dump it there, and mm. uh, like even illegally dump old sailing ships and things because uh, it was the quickest and easiest way to get rid of your old vessel. <laughs> so been doing that. Um, we also ran down further south around the Volte Vengeance off uh, off the football ground and found the engine and tailpiece. So um, they're not associated directly associated or connected to the plane. So we found found them. Um, and do you leave these items in situ yes, or do you bring them up? <laughs> no, no, we'll just record the positions, positions are and that type of thing. And yeah, then, right. And then we're off Point Cook yesterday checking out a couple of marks and one turned out to be an old spoked uh, locomotive wheel, which is about a mile and a half east of um, Point Cook. So it was covered in juvenile snapper. It was just thousands and thousands of snapper. So the fish are out there. Um, and then we went to Beacon Point and... Uh, Snorkeled through there and found a big old anchor and chain and um, some bits and pieces of a shipwreck. Possible, possible, possible shipwreck. shipwreck. So, yes. what age are you looking at? Oh, potentially, I think. Well, I think it might be a vessel that was broken up there in, in the um, late nineteen thirties. Oh right! Wow. So, so yeah, also cool. So we're on the ball uh, out there with our side scans, just searching. Yeah, and working very closely hand in hand with Heritage oh, yes, Victoria. We, yeah, yeah, we. If you could see me, I've got my two fingers linked together. <laughs> you guys are connected. We're that close, yes. Cool. Thanks, Rex. Thanks. Brilliant. A uh, couple of quick things I neglected to mention um, in the, our introduction was, of course, we also have some live music happening today as well. So uh, picked last for sport, who were on our program last year, uh, showing us what they had to offer as part of the uh, Melbourne Fringe Festival, uh, are bringing back their show, Creatures of the Deep. Uh, if you caught our show last year with them, you uh, would have been highly entertained and amused by um, the cleverness of what they've done. So they're doing it again as part of the National Sustainable Living Festival and uh, some sessions coming up this week. So we're going to have them live in studio throughout the show as well. Well, live people, amazing. I know, live people, in addition. <laughs> to ourselves <laughs> um, and two other quick no look I'm going to save these ones let's I think we should get on and play some music and then have uh, Dr. Dr. Maddie McAllister in to give us an update on the wreck of the Amazon uh, you would have heard station announcements for the last couple of weeks about a show which is taking place at the Athenaeum the songs and times of Sam Cooke I wanted to play this track because of its uh, salty references well <laughs> marine references <laughs> I better qualify that um, particularly because I'm like it from my mum and dad so they've just had their 50th wedding anniversary so uh mum and dad this one's for you it's called you were made for me uh-huh.
Gorgeous Sam Cook there and you were made for me from way back in 1960. Coming up to 14 minutes past nine and you are tuned to Radio Marinara here on 3RRR. Now if you've been down Inverloch Way over the summer you might have come across the curious sight of people on their hands and knees scratching at the sand in deep concentration. No it wasn't a new form of Tai Chi it was the crew from the Maritime Heritage Unit at Heritage Victoria checking out the wreck of the Amazon. To tell us all about it a big welcome back to Dr Maddie McAllister from the Maritime Heritage Unit at Heritage Victoria. Maddie, good morning. Welcome back. Good morning. Thank you. Great to have you back. <laughs> Thanks. Um, now, when we last caught up with you, your fieldwork, it was all about to get underway. Yeah. A um, bit of background, maybe, particularly for our listeners who didn't catch that show. Can we start with a brief history of the Amazon sure. and how it came to be wrecked on the beach at Inverloch? Sure. So the Amazon uh, was an international trader that uh, was carrying salted meat from Melbourne, um, actually heading west, and it got caught in a big storm in 1864 um, and got pushed onto the beach down at Cape Patterson, which is now the Inverloch Surf Beach, so at a time when there was nobody living around there. Um, and it's pretty much been in that surf zone for the past 150-odd years. And due to erosion down there, it's it's coming out of the sand and there's some very concerned locals down there. So we headed down to have a look at it and, and do some research and see what we can put in place for management uh, or at least just get some recording done. Yeah. So did you know it was there before the erosion made it visible? Yeah, they um, actually some people from um, MAAV, the Maritime Archaeology Association of Victoria, uh, located it doing uh, metal detector surveys in the 90s, I believe. So we had an idea it was there, um, but we didn't have any maps or plans or photographs of the site. So we couldn't really tell the locals what had happened to it in the past 20 years or anything like that. One thing I've been really impressed by over the you know the last um, couple of decades that we've been <laughs> talking um, about on this show is just the close relationship, this amazing partnership that exists between Heritage Victoria and the Maritime Archaeology Association because yeah. one is a state government entity and the other is a, a, an interest group of professionals. At, you guys work really well hand in hand. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I, I can't speak, I, I don't know a lot of Victorian, I guess, long history like that, but coming in fairly new from Perth, it's fascinating to see people that were very instrumental back in the day in actually getting the protection in for shipwrecks and we wouldn't have the Maritime Heritage Unit at, um, at Victoria in the government without MAAV. So I guess they're founding partners in, in the work that we do. So, yeah, it's quite unique and very important. Do you find that too, Rex? I'm asking you this. You're a guest now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. It was uh, people like Terry Arnett and Dave Carroll and all these pioneers way back in the 70s that uh, started pushing for protection of shipwrecks. And um, they, they were drivers, which helped set up the Heritage Unit, um, Maritime Heritage Unit. Yeah, and we just worked... We just work very closely together there's virtually no secrets between us and <laughs> and uh yeah we've seen both see everyone's seen each other in the shower at uh, dive sites so. is that what it comes down to <laughs> <laughs> so but and you're both... off the end of the boat <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. but you're both you're both in the same you know metaphorical boat yeah. and you're both rowing in the same direction yes. and you yes. both want the same outcomes and maybe it's just as simple as that do you think it is, you yes. both have respect for each other in terms of your expertise and and your ability to yeah. to do what you each need to do 
Yeah, and I think we both um, we we both can bring different aspects to it. So um, you know the the responsibilities and, and the power of being a state government authority, and also working with the Commonwealth, and then actually having the outreach and the side of the people that know the ins and outs of the coast and and the shipwrecks and can do things probably that we can't actually do as well is is fantastic. Wow, so this is also a good example of state government working well with Commonwealth government. So good, yeah, yeah. <laughs> must be the only example I've heard Surprise. of. <laughs> no, not true. Um, how do you go about prioritising? dealing with a wreck like this, especially when it's a fair way from Melbourne and presumably like many other state government departments, you're limited in your resources. Yeah, so I actually worked, um, I I originally studied at Flinders University, so I I put out a feeler to see if they wanted to come and do a field school and and join us. So essentially it's it's free labour in a way, Um, but the students actually got to see what it's like to work with the community and to see people that that work as maritime archaeologists and what we do and how we manage a site and they learnt quite a lot in terms of recording there as well so long way away um, we spent 10 days down there there was a team of 15 in total and that included 12 students so they'd come from all over the world as well as all over Australia Um, and I was probably most pleasantly surprised by the community that came out and and saw us down there we've got about 10 hardcore locals that send me emails and give me a phone call probably every two weeks and let us know that how the site's going down there Um, and I couldn't keep them away from the site which was really lovely they were down there helping shoveling sand and and in there and their hands and knees as well helping us so um, I know that even though it's a long way away we've got people that are watching this site and letting us know what's happening to it so all around with with us from the government with Flinders and students and with the local community it was a huge really lovely team to work over 10 days down there yeah Fantastic. <laughs> what did the students? Is it was it an experience for them? Were, were, yeah. were any of them? Were they undergrads? No. Uh, well, actually, they're a mix. There was probably there was a range from PhD students to masters and honours students, and then I believe some who'd come and enrolled from other universities. So. Um, Definitely um, most of them had an understanding of maritime archaeology already, but it gave most of them an experience of seeing, I guess, operating in Australia on a site that we don't have a lot of money for and that it is degrading quite quickly. So they got to see what they put in practice in class, put in in the real world and actually the limitations that we have of what we can do in principle. So, yeah. yeah. So if you went down to the beach today and had a look, what would you see? Yeah, so um, it's actually, it's probably in about a metre water, the main wreck site, um, and you can only really see it properly if the swell's low and there's nice visibility, but there are a few pieces right up in the sand dunes, which is where we spent most of the time working and and excavating. So um, it's part of the bow, we think, that was up in the shore. We took timber samples and we've had them identified as as European white oak and Baltic pine, so we know that it most likely has come from the Amazon site. Uh, And the rest that's in the water is about a 20-metre section that includes framing and and all your fasteners and stone ballast as well. So it is quite an impressive site um, when you do get to see it. A bit of a hazard for bodyboarders down there, though, I'm told. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And what will you do with the pieces? Are they being left in situ or are you bringing some back and preserving them? No, so we actually, um, everything is being left in situ. I think given that it's been there for 150 years and it's only this sort of erosion episode that's really uncovering a lot of it, um, we've left them there. It's quite extensive. We couldn't get to the bottom of it, so it's probably a 20-metre piece that's sitting up in 
in the sand there. Um, we did take some a selection of artefacts, so some rigging material and some copper sheathing to put into the collection that we have and to do some further studies on. So while we left the, the main bit of the site, we took some artefacts that we can use for comparison later on. Yeah, great. Yeah. So what comes next? Um, what comes next? Um, so I've actually finished a full report where we're studying the, um, the copper alloy. We've done some sampling and we're going to actually find out what it's composed of and that will give us a better date range I guess for those as well um, we're hopefully going to put that into a proper article and I'm hoping to head back down in a few months and do a big public lecture so take everything that we've learned and and show that community again so yeah fantastic yeah. when it gets close to that time yes please be in touch yeah, because will, yeah. we would love to get a little snapshot from Absolutely. you but also give people an opportunity to find out about where they can go and see all of this for themselves. That would be brilliant. Yeah, yeah it'd be great. <laughs> Thanks so much for coming in. No worries. It's been Thank wonderful you. having you back <laughs> and uh, we'll keep in touch through yes. Rex. And this isn't the only um, sort of combination work they've done. They've done lots of work down Phillip Island as yeah. well with oh. the community at Phillip Island on the Levin Less Rex. So this, they've got a good history we've got about a minute do you want to <laughs> is that a quick snapshot oh, and well, a big I shout actually, out to phil Boland? yeah i mean uh, that was before my time but rex would probably know more than i well, do well yeah it was flinders university again yeah. heritage victoria project with uh, master's students um they uh, some of the locals had found a, a wreck round off ventnor and they're concerned that it was disappearing with people taking bits and pieces so heritage victoria flinders and mwav went down there we worked on it was about three seasons, I think we did. Um, you know, two week, two week block. So and found it was carrying timber from um, Tasmania, and got blown into Western Port and was wrecked in about 1854. So pretty early wreck for us, mm. and quite quite really interesting. You can still the timber is all in situ, stacked there, ready. Um, lots of, lots of good stuff. And so. so much stuff to go down there and document and yes, and keep looking at. Really, I suppose keep mm -hmm. researching. So while we were there, we found two other wrecks as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> You're so busy, Rex. You yeah. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on. Thanks again. Thank we'll you. We'll catch up with you again All soon. Right, see you. Uh, we've been speaking with Dr Maddie McAllister from the Maritime Heritage Unit at Heritage Victoria. We're now crossing to our very own dive reporter, Terry Allen, for a dive report and a welcome to 2019. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Bron. How are you going? Good, uh, thanks. Morning, Rex Terry. How are you? Rex is here too. Hi, good, thanks. <laughs> You're looking good from here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting uh, in a in a classroom nine o'clock on a Sunday morning. I'm unfortunately not diving at the moment, but I'm just teaching a technical diving course, and then we're going to head out to South Road Brighton this afternoon and do some uh, do a, a shallow dive and practice some skills. Fantastic! So, technical diving course is that uh, like an open water certification? It's a it's a, a technical diving. So technical diving means anything that's sort of deep or or uh, penetrating. So it can be things like cave diving, wreck diving, and in this case it's deep diving to 40 metres. And then the students get to do a bit of uh, decompression underwater. So that's what they're uh, learning how to, how to do. How to handle three tanks, so two on their back and one on their side, plus uh, do all you know calculations and and run their dive computers. So, yeah, sort of some of them are finding it a bit hard nine o'clock on a Sunday morning to think about all this. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, I've got a coffee, so I'm all right. Uh, excellent. <laughs> we'll have to um, get one of your students to come in and give their perspective um, as, uh, you know, in terms of what it's like to learn scuba for the first time. I suppose these guys are quite experienced in getting more technical with their knowledge, but it would be great to do that at some point. 
yeah, yeah. that'd be fun as long as I pay them first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now uh, we tried to catch up with you last week. You were down in Hobart as part of this, uh, the um, the Wooden Boat Festival down there. Um, how was that from your perspective? Uh, yeah, look, it was great. Um, I had been a couple of years before, and the great thing with it is it's all free. You can wander around at your own pace. You don't feel like, oh, my God, I've got to see everything because I've paid a fortune to just, you know, go get in. What I thought, one, I mean, not really that related to boats, although it is related to wood, was watching a guy creating a manual lathe where he was turning a lump of wood and he was actually making um, legs of tables and the whole thing was done. He was pushing with his foot, like you can imagine like a sewing machine, like an old thing, a sewing machine. There's a bit of string wrapped around the wood and it went up to a big, long stick, like a big flexible stick. So as he pushed, sorry, it's very hard to explain, but as he pushed with his foot and it rolled around, it would roll the piece of wood and he would then start carving. It was just amazing. But uh, watching um, the old crayfish pots being made... The little they had some little kids making boats from scratch, and they had to do the wooden frame. They put cloth over it, then they painted it with, uh, you know, actually it was just a regular paint. Let it dry, and then um, launch them. So, yeah, there was all sorts of things. Just you think of these amazing dying arts, you know, how to make a perfect square triangle. All these things you don't. But yeah, look, just walking around was great. Having a beer was great. Eating a scallop pie was great. So. Uh, yeah, it was really lovely. And then um, and then we chartered a boat for five days, went down the Dencastro Channel, where Bruni Island Oil on our left, mainland Tassie on the right. And we went uh, fishing for Flathead and uh, got some oysters. And, um, yeah, had a good day, had a good week sailing. We had very wild weather, but luckily it uh, was sort of in enclosed areas. So, yeah, saw a few seals, a few albatross. Uh, penguins, um, yeah, sounds like very, very pleasant. An amazing festival to go down uh, and and be part of. We've got about a minute left. I just wanted to hit you up for a very quick dive report. You said you were off to um, to Brighton this afternoon. Presumably, there's not forty metre waters to dive in in Brighton. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, is... we uh, we sort of go to four metres and pretend. Uh, yeah, so very great day for diving um there's really calm as far as i'm aware all morning and probably into the afternoon so really i think anywhere is good um boat dives outside the heads would be good but uh the shore dives rye and black gary they've all been terrific we've had very good viz this summer um because obviously sadly when we get no rain we get good viz and uh but um, oh, beautiful big schools of uh, small, undersized pinky snapper. Please, fishermen, don't go out there uh, at South Road Reef at Brighton. So that's that's nice to see. Yeah, Rex, you were talking before too about um, about schools of juveniles. Yeah, on the other side, probably um, like ten centimetre long. There's just thousands of. Uh Juvenile snapper of yeah. Point Cook. Point Cook. Oh, so that's good, good. Yeah, good to see the uh, recruitment processes are doing their thing. Hey, Terry, we'll let you get back to your students, but it uh, be really yeah. great to have you in studio in the next couple of weeks and uh, yep. and talk more about diving and uh, plan for some fun stuff to talk about this year. Okay, no worries at all. Awesome. Great to have you back. Don't be okay. a stranger, Terry. <laughs> I won't, I won't. <laughs> I'm too busy diving. <laughs> yeah, excellent. All right, have a no great worries, week. We'll guys. catch you soon. Bye. Thank you.
Bye. Bye. Bye for now. Terry Allen there with uh, with our first uh, dive report for 2019. It's right on 9.30 and you're listening to Radio Marinara here on 3 Triple R. Now, um, some exciting news is happening this week. The Sustain- National Sustainable Living Festival is on and one of the great things that you can do if you're going along to the Sustainable Living Festival is go and see... Uh, pick last for sport and we're going to say a big hello Good morning. <laughs> to uh, now Ryan I'll let you do all the introductions yeah uh, uh, just come into the microphone hello. so we can hear oh, you hi yeah Excellent. so we're uh, pick last for sport and we're doing our award-winning show creatures of the deep now we had you in last year as part of the Melbourne Fringe um, for our listeners who maybe just waking up and didn't hear the start of the show and uh, you came in and, and gave us a quick snapshot of some of the stuff that you're doing as part of um, well that you were doing as part of Melbourne Fringe and the show if you missed it here's a great opportunity to go and see it this time around yeah um, we're really excited to have the opportunity to perform it again so give us a quick snap actually who have you got in with you uh, Sean Sully Kat Sanzara Jake Edgar and Sarah Wall otherwise known as my unpaid interns. (laughs) (laughs) And a quick snapshot of what Creatures of the Deep is all about and then we're going to hit you up for a song. Yep, Creatures of the Deep is a musical documentary all about uh, ocean life, I suppose, is the easiest way to sum it up. Fantastic. All right, and what we're going to get you to play, uh, ask you to play, yes. get you to play, <laughs> ask you to play. Um, you're going to grace us with mm-hmm. um, two songs, and so we'll have one of them now, and then after we've had Neil Blake uh, catching up with us, well, if it's okay, come back in and play another one. Yeah, we'd love to. All right, fantastic. Now, do you do you all need to crowd around the microphones? Are you all singing as part of this? Yes. Rex, I might just ask you to hop out of the <laughs> <laughs> Just move slightly. Just trying to find a spot. <laughs> That's it. Like it. And we've got a three mics which we're juggling here. Brilliant. So, um, what are you going to uh, play first? All right. Well, um, I might give you a little introduction in character. Why not? See what happens. Okay, great. Okay. So, um, observe the humble shark swimming through the waves, its permanent smile plastered across its face. Did you know it is impossible for a shark to swim backwards or to even stop swimming? No, they are constantly moving forward, thus giving them their positive attitudes. (laughs) When you're feeling down, feeling like you could drown, though it's highly highly improbable that you could, can take, you feel like battered flake, you've considered going belly up for good, when you thought you were the best, till you were rejected by John West, then there's only one thing you can do. Keep swimming forward, everything will be alright. Keep swimming forward, never ever lose your bite. All you gotta do is keep swimming forward. You can do it if you try. Keep swimming forward, cause if we stop swimming, we'll die. Worried about your group Or about shark fin soup Or the threat 
of an impending harpoon. Worried, worried about mating and girls or ending up at SeaWorld. Somebody help me! Don't worry. You need only to sing this happy tune. Many are the predators, but few are the prey. All you have to do is say. Keep swimming forward. Swim out through the salt and spray. Keep swimming forward. Everything will be okay. But you gotta keep on. Keep swimming forward. No need for you to ask why. Keep swimming forward. Cause if we ever stop swimming, we'll die. Swimming will die. Oh, that was so good. Thank you. Hey, thanks, guys. Amazing. We stick around and come back and yeah, come and come, come and sing another one. We love you too. <laughs> Brilliant. If you've just tuned in, uh, we are listening to Pick Last for Sport, and uh, that's from their show, Creatures of the Deep, which we, you can catch as part of the National Sustainable Living Festival. Radio Marinara is the name of this program, and uh, without further ado, we are very welcome to. We're very welcome. We're very happy. Yeah, you are very <laughs> welcome, right? Yeah. Hey, welcome back, Neil Blake. Great to be here in the barbershop. I, I do need a trim. <laughs> Well, they're coming back in. Great. You should stick around. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to sing, but I thought I'm not going to wreck that. They're brilliant. <laughs> hey, welcome back to our Baykeeper for 2019. Yeah, it's um, fantastic to be here, Bron, I have to say. And uh, uh, you've survived your rock pooling experience last week, went out there into the <laughs> wild. <laughs> yes, if, if you're wondering what we're talking about, um, I have one day a week where I'm not at work and usually flying around doing all sorts of um, home-based uh, things that I need to do. And this week I had a, a very dear friend who had some field work to do and she said, come on, let's go down to Bowen Heads. So mm. I went, you know what? Yes, I will. Yeah, so it was great. great. I picked up lots of plastic too. It's yeah. kind of both, you know, it, it's not good. What are we, what are, there's no point saying it's good. I felt good to be, pick, to be picking it up and getting it off the beach. But um, yeah, Bowen Heads, for goodness sake. Mm. Where did it come from? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? So you've been very busy. Where shall we start? Well, yeah, I guess one of the big ones is the um, Straight to Bay project with um, Scouts Victoria. It's um, leaping ahead this year, particularly the Scouts, they take a break over the Christmas period and uh, we had trained about eight groups in different um, parts of the world um, last year and now there's about 22 new scout groups that have come on board to do the street audits in their in their local area and that's that's going to be fantastic data that's been collected so we've been over to geelong and out to monbok and going down to red hill next week so it's terrific we're covering such a geographical area and catchments around the bay uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what they find uh, uh 
So how many scout groups are you working with at the moment, did you say? Uh, well, we're aiming to have 30 actively auditing. 30? Wow. Yeah. Uh, and at the moment we've, we've trained eight groups, uh, but there's another 22 that have uh, signed on and uh, just got to go through that process of um, explaining to them how to do it and finding the, the audit sites. And presumably they report back through their association and this is really starting to pick up as something that is, uh, is great for them to do obviously it sort of fits right in with what scouts do yeah that's right they, mm. they have to have an environmental ethos that's all part of scouting so it, it gives them a, a good practical opportunity to express that and what will you do with the work that they bring in for you so the audits and the results of those audits well in each, each area we're auditing different types six different street usages so then uh, that includes industrial retail residential parks, uh, sports fields and public buildings. And so we're, we're going to have a very interesting uh, collection of data that will show which of those types of street usage is generating what sorts of trash mm. uh, and in what sorts of volumes. Great. Now, uh, perfect... Uh, so I should just say, then we'll be able to take that to uh, local governments in particular who manage uh, streets cleansing and uh, also educational behaviour change programs to give them something a bit more focused to to take their program forward. Now, there's, um, I'm guessing, a fairly direct connection between this work and some microplastics trawls that you've been... Uh, working with, yes, that's is right. that well, with the Riverkeeper as well? Uh, yeah, we'd, we'd trawl each month with the Yarra Riverkeeper. Um, we're doing half an hour in the Maribyrnong and half an hour in the Yarra. We've been doing that since 2015. Uh, Farm will tell you more about that in terms of the reporting of it. But, yeah, we've um, found that the ridiculous estimate of 828 million items coming out of the two rivers each year. Uh, it's scary. It's such a yeah. such a sobering number, isn't it? What, what can you say that again? <laughs> Eight hundred and twenty-eight million, million yep. pieces of. Uh, yeah, is seven, it seventy-four percent of microplastics. Right. Uh, but there's um, quite uh, bits of cellophane, and uh, that's the stuff really that's only on the top of the water column as well. You know, so mm. for example, we don't really catch uh, cigarette butts because they're less buoyant and probably uh, go beneath, travel beneath the net. Mm. Uh, so the recent trawl that you did yielded some interesting results, didn't it? It did, yes. The um, uh, each uh, has shown that to be particularly high in, in the catch during the summer period. I'm not sure whether it's to do with uh, sporting events, whereas the Yarra's uh, generally higher in winter, possibly to do with sporting events. Mm. Um, but uh, this time around, the, uh, there was hardly anything in the Maribyrnong, and the sock was almost empty, you know, like we, as if we hadn't had it in. Uh, but then the Yarra, though, was extraordinarily full. So uh, we're not sure quite what that's what to put that down to, whether it may be perhaps one of the floating boom traps was being emptied upstream and the things escaped during that process. That's a possibility. Mm. So which one was full? In the Yarra. The Yarra was mm. full, right. Yeah. Uh, okay. And um, so with this information, what do you do with it now? Is, do you work with... Because Parks Victoria operate the, the litter traps, don't they? That's right, yeah. So uh, we would think that um, if we can... Oh, well, pretty 99% sure that there is a problem with the, uh, the process of emptying the traps. So it, it's, we could perhaps do some design modifications to make sure that those microplastics don't escape when the uh, bucket is actually picked up out of the water column mm. uh, so that, um, it, that anything that does try to escape is 
captured and uh, kept in custody. Mm. Now, we um, were talking a bit about nurdles. Last weekend was the, the great nurdle hunt around Portfield Bay. We had um, Heidi Taylor from Tangaroa Blue on our first program back talking about that event. Yeah. Did, how did that go? Were you there? Uh, no, I wasn't there, but uh, Matt uh, is there. He, you might give her a talk. Oh, he was just telling me... Uh, yeah, Matt MacArthur, who's coming right. in next. All yeah, oh, right, so great. We were just having a chat about that out in the green room there. And, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so uh, it was entirely successful. One of the key things um, was that the number of people from industry that are participating in it, so that's a really key factor to have them on board. Uh, then the other people will be the uh, transport groups so that actually ship the noodles to the factory so there's a, there's usually a, a chain of custody that uh, and all players need to be part of the solution mm, so, Neil, i was just wondering is there a has anybody ever actually tracked a piece of plastic to see where, where it does end up where it ends up outside the heads or within the sargasso sea within port phillip uh, no, well, one of the uh, projects that we've got currently with our, we're doing beach audits but as well as the um, uh, uh, trawls in the in the rivers, we're, Blair Stafford is also doing some trawls at the heads to see what's actually coming in so we can compare the inputs with the outputs. So uh, that, that, that's going to be interesting to see. Now, just before we let you go, I did want to ask you about the Port Phillip Bay Forum. You were mm. part of that. Uh, we'll, we'll explore this in more detail in the coming weeks. Can you tell us a little bit about the forum, what it was about and what your experience of it was? Well, it was really quite a... a, a almost a full day I suppose of uh, very short presentations well in the sense that they're 10 minutes each but mm. uh, there's a lot of really fantastic work going on uh, in, in relation to the bay and uh, so this was a forum put on by DELP and uh, it gave people an opportunity to actually just give a summary of what they've been doing and their findings. Uh, there was so much going on, it was impossible to sort of <laughs> take it all in. There were actually three rooms where uh, talks were being given concurrently. Uh, but, yeah, just really a great feeling. Uh, the majority of people there probably would have been maybe at least 150, 200 people. Um, were all people involved in very interesting projects and uh, the conversations and the connections that were being made as part of that day, I think, it really augurs well for the future. Yeah, fantastic. What's coming up for you in the next couple of weeks before we have you back in studio? Well, uh, it's sort of getting, uh, keeping on with the Scouts in particular. Um, I'm going out to the Werribee River Association tomorrow night. We're doing a strategic planning session out there and I have to give them a plug. You know, there's some really fantastic grassroots organisations looking after waterways uh, that... Uh, really uh, deserve full support from their, their local communities, if not um, people more widely. Mm. Uh, that, that sort of stuff is really the organisational uh, aspect of um, keeping a good community voice happening is, is really key. Fantastic. If uh, our listeners want to find out more or get in touch with you about how they can get involved or, you know, teachers who are looking to... Um, I know teachers are already highly organised with what they've got planned for the year, but uh, what's the best way they can get in touch with you? Uh, well, generally, uh, just uh, probably email is always uh, the simplest being, um, because I generally keep an eye on that 24-7. No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, it's baykeeper at ecocentre.com. Great. Uh, yeah, and that's a, that's a good way to. I'd love this more teachers to get on board with to do audits in uh, in schools. We've got a method for school grounds as well as the streets, so that's part of the bigger picture data set that we're trying to build. 
Excellent. My daughter's environment leader at her school this year, so I will be getting onto that um, when I get home. Rock on. (laughs) Hey, thanks, Neil. Thank you. And I had to slip that one in. I'm very proud of it. Um, (laughs) We'll catch up with you in the next few weeks. Okay. All right, brilliant. Hi, this is Tim Whitten. If you want to know what's going on in the ocean, tune in to Radio Marinara on 102.7 3RRR. You know where it is. We do know where it is. Thank you, Tim. It's 12 minutes to 10 and uh, back in studio. We've bumped in very quickly the five cast members of Pick Last for Sport and uh, we're in for another treat. Uh, this is part of their Creatures of the Deep show, which you can go and catch. We'll give details in a minute as part of uh, this week's National Sustainable Living Festival, which is going to be underway in Melbourne. Uh, what have we got for us now? Right. Uh, this song is called Beer and Light and it's um, from the point of view of an anglerfish angelfish the one at the bottom with the light on its head anglerfish there you go yep see well researched um (laughs) (laughs) uh let's jump straight into it and what was it called again uh be your own light okay when you don't know where you're going and the darkness closes in when you don't know your ups from your downs or your scales from your fins and you are all alone and you are all alone when you can't find your path cause the tide swept it away and you find yourself surrounded by unfamiliar territory you can't find your way home you can't find your
that was gorgeous. That was amazing. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ryan, Sarah, I didn't jot down the name of your other cast members. I'll get you to say it again, Ryan. Yeah, Kat Sanzaro, Jake, Edgar and the rest. No, Sean Sully. <laughs> <laughs> um, Creatures of the Deep is the name of the show. It's a documentary-style environmental cabaret. It's on this week as part of the National Sustainable Living Festival. Your sessions, uh, I can just read out the details now. That unless, would be great. Unless you know them off the top of your head. No, you go. Excellent. <laughs> so multiple sessions, the 18th, the 20th, the 21st, the 22nd and the 23rd. So it looks like you get one day off yep. of February. <laughs> At the Butterfly Club, yes. At Butterfly Club. Fantastic, wonderful venue. Um, and uh, details for that... Uh, Butterfly Club, which is at Five Carson Place, Melbourne. Um, we'll put the links on our Facebook page. How yep. about that? Or you can go fantastic. to slf.org.au, which is Sustainable Living Festival. Thanks so much for coming Excellent. in. Thank you. Have a wonderful week. Yeah, you too. Yeah. Thanks very much. Thank you. <laughs> okay, thanks so much. Uh, pick last for sport there. We are going to launch straight into our final segment for today, which is a chat with Matt MacArthur. Now, a few years ago, Matt got a call. He was needed for a research project that was going to require diving at the world's southernmost dive site and lucky for us Matt went along and he's one of three speakers at tomorrow night's nerd night Melbourne he's going to be presenting diving with the Kiwis among the penguins or should that be diving with the penguins among the Kiwis let's ask him shall we good morning Matt welcome thanks for having me it's wonderful to have you here it's been a while. Well, you and I, uh, we know each other quite well and we've known each other for a long time, but it's been a while since we've caught up. Well, I was just thinking this morning, the last time I was here, my son had been born uh, about three days earlier. He's currently taking his grandmother out for morning tea <laughs> at series. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Well, let's not leave it so long between <laughs> drinks next time. Um, now, you work as a science communicator specialising in Antarctic tourism. Does that mean you get to go to Antarctica? I do. Oh, each, wow. each summer I join ships that are heading to the Antarctic Peninsula and I am lecturing mostly on Antarctic history which is a, a it's not part of my training which was in marine ecology but it's a passion that developed very early in my life and helped spur my decision to become a marine ecologist which eventually got me to Antarctica for the first time with yeah. those diving trips. Amazing. Now, you've actually got a podcast called Ice Coffee, The History of Human Activity in Antarctica. Let's give that a plug while you're here. Uh, that came about because it had been five years since I'd been on those diving expeditions and I was missing that connection with Antarctica. I was worried that I might not ever get back so I just started talking about it into a microphone and people started listening which helped hook me in to the tourism industry. People realised that I could talk ad nauseum about Antarctic history. <laughs> we're going to get you back in. Um, when we finished the program for today, we're going to go into the green room and organise another time immediately to have you back in so we can talk more about this because it's absolutely fascinating. And we know that it's a personal uh, area of interest for Jeff Maynard, who presents our Soundscape segment every four to six weeks as well. I really enjoy catching up with Jeff and I've actually, um, he's got his book, uh, Antarctica's Lost Aviator, coming out. Uh, it, it should be out right now. Yep. And I've been building a model aeroplane kit of one of the aircraft featured in that book oh. as a present for him. Oh, fantastic. I'm so excited about reading his, his previous books, uh, Wings of Ice and the Unseen Anzac are superb. They're great, aren't they? They are. Uh, we will line up a time for you and Jeff to talk about <laughs> that book too. Gosh, we're looking into kind of May already with programming for this show. Um, let's get back to your uh, talk, which is on tomorrow night. Now, can you talk us through that expedition um, that forms the basis of the talk? So this first trip that you took down to Antarctica. Yes, I was part of the New Zealand Antarctic Research Programs uh, through the University of Otago and the 
lead researcher, Miles Lamar, was looking at the effects of UV light on the larvae of echinoderms, concerned that the ozone hole, and, I'm sorry, the hole in the ozone layer that sweeps over Antarctica and is still problematic, even though we've, we've uh, changed our industry and habits to the point that we're no longer using the, the chlorofluorocarbons that generated that hole, uh, was going to really mess up the ecology of the local area because the echinoderms, the larvae, which are translucent, don't have any protection from that UV radiation when they're living in the water column and not out when they're out from under the sea ice. So we went and caught these animals, not hard to do, they're not particularly fast, spawned them in the lab and took the larvae back out and placed them back under the sea ice in different UV exposure regimes and looked at the effects that that had on their DNA. And I could talk ad nauseum about the results of that, that program, but the, the, uh, the short version is I got to dive under the sea ice at Scott Base and that was a huge career highlight for me and I'm still banging on about it 15 years later <laughs> because it meant so much to me. So from your perspective with the, the show that's on tomorrow night, so, um, so Nerd Night, can you tell us a little bit about Nerd Night, what it is? Nerd Night is a science cabaret and this is also very exciting to me that you can go out for good food, good company and see three big nerds up on stage talking about their their geek passion and I'll be one of them tomorrow night. I I love the event and uh, if anyone's interested in science, it's a great night out. And so you're going to be speaking um, about Antarctic marine life. Can you give us a quick snapshot of what you're going to be covering? It's just almost from start to finish one dive under the sea ice and what I saw there and what it was like to work in water that was that cold. Because we see a lot about the what we kind of term as the charismatic megafauna, so your penguins and seals and whales, but the, there's, there's of, you know, without, we don't even need to state it, there's so much more going on there and, and this is what you're capturing in your talk? The, the invertebrate marine life that mm. just covers the seafloor, it's, it's so remarkable how you go from this desolate desert above, this, above the sea ice to this dramatically beautiful colourful world under the sea ice. Do you know much about the other two speakers tomorrow night? I don't, I'm sorry. Excellent. <laughs> That's okay. We will put links to this on our Facebook page and uh, get you back in shortly, Matt, to talk more about this because um, uh, I understand Nerd Nights, is it sold out tomorrow already? I think it is sold out tomorrow. Okay. But there are other other events like Laboratory that, um, yeah, just science as a night out has become a thing and that's fantastic. Fantastic. Thanks so much for coming in. And uh, let's, we'll go, you and I will go out now and we'll find a spot and get you back in and we can talk at more, at, at greater length about what's going on under the ice. Look forward to it. Thanks for having Fantastic. me. Fantastic. Thanks for coming in, Matt. Thanks to all our guests today. It has been a jam packed show, um, particularly. Thank you, Rex. That's all right, Bron. And thanks, thanks, for so, thanks so much, Kent. He's been panelling for us for us today and he's uh, sticking around panelling for the doctors as well, I believe. No, he's not today. <laughs> Kent gets to. Uh, Go out and take a breather. Thanks to Maddie McAllister from the Maritime Heritage Unit at Heritage Victoria. Uh, thank you to Pick Last for Sport. Thank you to Neil Blake. And uh, thank you, Terry Allen, for her dive report. And thank you for listening. We've got a huge show next week. Gretchen McQueen's coming in to talk about Love Your Street. Dave Donnelly, we're going to catch up with him again live in Antarctica um, for his Brass Monkey report. And uh, in studio, we're going to have Mark Schaller and Mick Turner, who have got a new art exhibition about to open called Current Rips. Very exciting to have Mark and Mick in studio. This has been a podcast from 3RRR 102.7 FM in Melbourne. 
truly independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.